Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, yeah, I guess I guess Christmas is here, you guys. I don't know what it is, but it's here. The Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special uh, has dropped, and uh, I'm going to give my instant reaction. All that revs add, I have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll, and man... I am feeling the Christmas spirit, you guys. I did not expect to, uh, I don't know. I feel like as I've gotten older, Christmas has been a little less uh, impactful for me. Uh, And I gotta say, at this, uh, you know, at three in the morning on like Thanksgiving night or whatever, I am feeling it. I am feeling so warm and I'm just like, I am loving Christmas. And through the eyes of Quill and Mantis and Drax, I just feel like, I don't know, I saw Christmas again. It feels really nice. Um, that was so, so, it's just heartwarming AF, you guys. It's just so heartwarming. I just feel, I really loved it. I'm just feeling it. I love the whole, the whole special. Um, I loved how <laughs> all of the characters interacted um just seeing the guardians again and that was the other thing i think like yes it made me feel warm-hearted i do i feel weirdly like the christmas season has begun um in a much better way than what i would sometimes do this night which is go shopping <laughs> um but yeah just feel this good pure christmas feeling right now it's really great uh but the other thing i'm feeling after seeing this, is the hype train for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Because it got withheld so long, we kind of needed this little glimpse back into the world, you know? Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was supposed to happen by now, I think. Like, it was supposed to be, um, so I guess, part of Phase 4. Uh, but because of the James Gunn debacle uh, with Disney, like, we got it pushed back. And it feels so long since we've seen anything from the Guardians and then on top of it being so long since we've seen everything, one of the last things we saw was Peter Quill uh, <laughs> making a mistake with Thanos and like not being able to control his anger, which was understandable, but also, you know, we all kind of blame Quill a little bit. And I think it, like his character needed a little rehabbing in my mind. <laughs> and I think... This episode reminded me what I love most about Quill and what I love about Chris Pratt's performance. It is just, there's so much joy behind it, but also so much badassness. <laughs> I'm just reminded of like, you know, the first Guardians where he's like fighting his way out of that prison or whatever. And he's just like, you know, just doing you know, really badass movements and fighting. And he's like, you know, throwing his little face shield on and using his double guns and like, just, he's a total badass, but then he's also goofy as hell. <laughs> and like this episode, he's in the corner brooding and like, he pulls that brooding off really well. It, it was very effective. Um, it made me feel like, oh yeah, he's, he's really, uh, really hurting you know it feels like that he's that lonely man off in the corner um but then he can also pull off the most genuine and extreme reaction to christmas lights um when he walked into that last uh like sort of where they guided him and the the lights went off and it's so many lights and it's just like christmas just his face he looked like his 
brain was going to explode in the most like childlike way. Uh, and it's totally believable for the character because this is reminding him of like the Christmases that he had as a child, but also like Chris Pratt pulls it off. He just pulls it off so well. It just reminded me why I love Peter Quill. It's that like dichotomy of, yeah, he's a cool superhero, but like, he's still just got this like childlike heart and Chris Pratt's ability to go between those in a realistic way that doesn't feel like it loses the character is something I'm so excited about. Uh, and I just had, I don't know, I'd forgotten that feeling of watching guardians and feeling, feeling that way along with Quill, you know? So I'm yeah. Loving, loving Peter Quill again, this special presentation sort of like rehabbed his character for me. Weirdly, (laughs) Not that I, I, I have always loved Peter Quill, but like, it's been a while and all this Thanos stuff and da da da. But man, I'm just feeling him. I'm feeling Quill and I can't wait. And not only Quill, but all of the Guardians. I know Kraglin was a part of the crew during uh, Infinity War and Endgame, but we didn't get much time with them. Uh, and then Nebula sort of joined them during that time period too. And so seeing Kraglin and Nebula, I don't know. Th- the thing about the first Guardians of the Galaxy is they're all screw-ups. They're all kind of bad guys. You know, it's the whole joke of the poster and everything was there. All these prisoners who are sort of like, you know, the trash of society, but they come together and they just find this found family. And the way that Nebula and Kraglin fit into that was so perfect. It was so note perfect. They both very much felt like themselves. Uh, it didn't feel like they had like, completely changed or become new characters. I mean, Nebula, we, we saw a lot of her change uh, in that ship with Tony Stark, but like, she's still the same character who's so excited to chase down Kevin Bacon. She, <laughs> I forget what she yells, but it's something like, come back, Bacon! <laughs> yeah, James Gunn just has such a well-realized image of who these characters are. It's just so well done. And that, of course, um, well, I guess I'll talk about the other other new character we got in this episode um, special presentation, uh, Cosmo. Uh, we've seen Cosmo before, but never gotten to hear her talk or like get a get a chance to get to know Cosmo. Um, and man, it was funny. It's really funny because he's a is she. I, I think it's a she. I think Cosmo's a she. Um, but Cosmo. <laughs> seeing his telekinesis they're able to uh you know logic through things clearly like they're clearly like a sentient being that can talk to rocket and talk to the other crew but is also just a dog unlike rocket who's like you know doesn't have rocket is <laughs> sorry rocket is a uh anthropomorphized raccoon but he doesn't have the like desire, I don't know, to eat trash or whatever. Like he doesn't have like ra- uh, raccoon like personality traits. And the fact that like it was, it caught me off guard because I just expected a uh, Cosmo to be, you know, like a like another rocket, I guess. But when Cosmo says, "I will not work for you if you demean me," and it's like, okay, that's that sounds like a thing Rocket would say for sure. And then and Cosmo's like, also, I would like one of those treats, please. (laughs) 
it's really good. It's really good. Just the, uh, the and then bringing the uh, little rodent to Craglin's feet later, which is pretty great. Uh, which I th- I'm pretty sure was the same type of species that uh, Quill is kicking in the first Guardians <laughs> um, at the very beginning. That was super fun. I I just think that it, Nebula, Craglin, and Cosmo just fit into this world really well. And uh, I like that we've gotten a little introduction to them, but it's not uh, not crazy. Uh, I, I, when I when I started to podcast about this, I was like, I should talk about Drax and Mantis first because they're like the main thing in this episode. And now I've talked about everyone, but so I guess I might as well finish and talk about a uh, Groot. Uh, Groot is a big boy now. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how old he's supposed to be mentally exactly, but he's clearly still young, uh, getting the Game Boy and uh, everything. Still has a very young personality, but he's huge, looks massive, and I'm excited to see what they do with him uh, in the movie. But I feel like, we talked about this uh, on a previous episode, how this... They made this while they were shooting Guardians, but it's clear they chose the two characters to go down to Earth that would cost the least money. You know what I mean? It's Drax and Mantis. Like, they don't have to do a lot of post. They just can walk around uh, L.A. and have a little adventure. But Groot was, it was really funny. For the first half of the episode, he's only in, like, two shots, and it's way in the background. <laughs> And I was like, they are really saving that CGI budget. Um, but he shows up at the end and gets more and get you get a little more with him. Uh, but man, he's great. Uh, I'm just, yeah, very happy to see more Groot. More and more Groot. Which brings me, of course, to the, the Drax and uh, Mantis of it all. They are so much fun. They always have been. They've always been a weird, cool duo. Uh, but... Yeah, they're just comedy gold all around. They're hilarious together. They have such a weird, like, mixture. Uh, again, such well-defined characters. I could sit here and talk about who Mantis is for a while and who Drax is for a while. But you all know them. Uh, they're just so well-defined, and it makes them, even though they're both sort of these characters who, like, misunderstand things, take things too literally, all this stuff, Um. It's really interesting the way they have those similarities, which make them funny together, but also the differences of Mantis being much more empathetic <laughs> and Drax just like not getting, uh, like it's almost like Mantis in her time with the Guardians has grown a little bit and like tried to like understand the context of things or whatever. And Drax just still doesn't care. Um, also, I found that Mantis was like, surprisingly uh strong in this episode uh in the past i mean you know we, we again we haven't had tons of time with her but she has been sort of i mean her stance and everything she's very demure and very like you know, soft and and not very forceful in her interactions uh but there's a few moments with drax where she's like oh <laughs> Where she really stands up to him, one of which being probably the one where she gets the most uh, in his face. When he, <laughs> she says, what do you want to do? Do you want to love Peter Quill and save Christmas for him? Or do you want that little man? <laughs> and there's just a long pause. And you know Drax. 
you know what he's going to say, <laughs> but it's delivered perfectly. He's like, the, the little man. And she's like, no! <laughs> he just screams in his face, no. Um, just, I don't know. It's just so, again, such well-defined characters with a real well-put-together duo. I, can't, I don't, don't even know what to say about how good that is. Um, and then uh, Mantis has a big emotional core uh, this episode too, uh, I feel like she's really like coming into her own this episode. She is Quill's sister, um, and she wants to tell Quill that, but doesn't uh, doesn't want to like you know remind him of a painful thing. Um, and again, that was that was beautiful. It's a great. Ugh, it's emotionally manipulative as hell. I am. It's such a. It's such a great moment. It's such a great emotional punch uh, when she tells him, and she's nervous. And Quill says, "That's the greatest gift I could ever have." Um, it's really great. It's really really great. And it reminds me so much of like I don't know an '80s Christmas story. A sister's the greatest Christmas gift I could ever have. It feels just like straight out of Christmas schlock, I guess. But like. It's so, uh, yeah, it's, it's well-earned here because we know these characters, we love these characters, and they both are, it's just both things they would say. James Gunn has made this world that I don't even, it, it fits into the Marvel world, but it, it, it so stands apart in the way that it can have these very emotionally vulnerable moments. It's the Island of Misfit Toys thing, which, you know, there you go. I almost feel like they should have uh, referenced that in this episode because it's so that. It's so them, like, they're all tossed aside. They're all the bad guys in a lot of ways, but they've come together and they've got this family and they love each other. And it's just so precious. That brings me to Yondu. The little Yondu cartoon wraparound. Whoa, was that good. Uh, it ties into the canon in such a cool way. Uh, it it shows that like that time where where Yondu saves him at the end of his life is not the only time he tried to act like a father to Quill. You know, um, he didn't know how to express himself directly, but he tried to give Quill some parts of his childhood. You know, there's that moment where Quill screams at him in Guardians Two. He's like, "You." Yeah, you 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 tried to sell me at every port. You tried to do this and that and this and that, and uh, it just makes it really believable when when Yondu turns and says, yeah, but, "But you've always been my boy." Uh, it's just that Yondu didn't know how to express himself, and it didn't know how to be soft, and didn't know how to be vulnerable, show weakness in front of Quill or the rest of the crew. But like he always had this softness for Quill and and uh, it just yeah, it was really nice. It was really, really nice. And it being in like cartoon form was so, so sweet. Oh man. And then Groot at the end giving them all the little dioramas of, of his first Christmas, you know? <laughs> that was really, really sweet too. Uh, I had a great time, guys. I really, really did. Oh, and I have to mention the music. James Gunn has always had sort of this, like, I don't know, sort of offbeat sensibility. His tastes seem to be, you know, they're not for, they're not for poppy stuff necessarily. Like, even all the Guardians stuff, uh, 
Um, there's a few songs that are like really top 40 popular, but a lot of the songs in the Guardian soundtracks are like kind of gold from an era that like didn't get mined, you know? And so he brings all this, this these songs that like, you know, are, are maybe somewhat known, but not deeply known and brings them to our attention in a way. Um, and I think he kind of did that with Christmas music here. He has this, this, all, this very like rock sort of punk sensibility to all the music here, but none of the songs are songs that you hear in every Christmas movie. And I feel like that was almost a goal. It feels like it was just like, we're going to put a bunch of Christmas music in this thing. And it's going to be a bunch of stuff you've barely ever heard before. You know, you don't hear it every Christmas. You don't hear it in the gap every time you walk in or whatever. And, uh, thought that was really nice. It was just a nice, like way to, he's done it. I think in, with both Guardians movies, he sort of expanded the canon of like music that is widely known. And I feel like with uh, that with this, he's gonna like expand the canon of what we think of as Christmas music a little bit. Um, I could see any of these songs showing up as uh, as you know Christmas in other Christmas things, or you know us just getting to be like, oh yeah, well, we know these songs now because they're from the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Um, of course, be the main one being, uh, I guess, Christmas time is here. I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. <laughs> uh, I, I looked it up a little bit, but apparently it's performed by the old 97s, uh, which is a band I have a lot of friends who like. I've never gotten into them, but um, I loved I loved it. I love that song. And I'm guessing I I assume that's an original song to this movie. Um, yeah. That's a that's gonna be a that's gonna be a Christmas banger forever. We're gonna be put able to put it on our Spotify Christmas playlists, you know. <laughs> and it's so weird, and it's gonna be fun. And I just, I just love that. I love that so much. Um, oh, if I have one quibble, one quibble to quibble at in this entire thing, because it's so heartwarming and so good. The after credit scene, the after credit scene bothers me <laughs> because listen. I understand you, we have Deadpool coming to the MCU, and we have She-Hulk, but not everybody can break the fourth wall. <laughs> That's so. Having Rocket look at the screen and say, I guess we're going to need to do another special, is not something Rocket should be able to do. <laughs> I get it. It's an after credit sequence. We're not supposed to care too much. It's a joke. Let it let it go. But man, you, I you, I've done that. But you've given me explanations. Most, uh, you know, they. I feel like the most similar to this ever was the one where uh, after Spider Man Homecoming, where you've got uh, Steve Rogers looking straight into camera and being like, "Why are you still here?" Kind of thing. Basically giving us the Ferris Bueller ending. Patience. That made sense though because it at least gave us an explanation for why he would say that. <laughs> this is just directly a character looking at the screen and saying a thing that they should have no knowledge of. <laughs> so, I thought that was weird. Um, and I get, you know, again, I get it. It's a joke. Let it go. But, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> it's a weird thing to do. It's a weird thing to do. Um, when you've had all these other ones that was similar, 
I mean, you know, it's like Thanos grabbing the glove and saying, I'm going to do this myself. It's like we had to headcanon that for a while because like, who's he talking about? Did he control Ultron? All this stuff, you know, all that stuff. Or did, uh, did you know, did, was Ultron a part of the plan? I don't know. All that stuff we had conversations about for years. Uh, it's like we would hear, we just, there's no, there's no headcanoning. There's just, Rocket broke the fourth wall, which I guess is just, all right. I guess Rocket did that once. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's my only quibble. Other than that, I absolutely love this special. Um, I think it's really, really wonderful. Okay, guys, this has gone on a long time for my normal instant reactions because I just had so many things to say about so many of these characters. Uh, but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us uh, on this podcast today. And we'll be back. I'm sure we'll do a full episode about this and you guys will probably have some feedback. We definitely have lots of Black Panther feedback we still wanted to get to. Uh, we were trying to get to it this week, but uh, w- with the holiday and Jeff moving to California, um, we have been... Uh, not able to podcast as much this week, uh, but we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back soon with that Black Panther feedback uh, episode and lots of other stuff. We got a. We got a. We, I guess we'll be able to actually get the points done uh, fully. We really wanted to get a draft episode in the feed before the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, but we just couldn't get it worked out. So uh, I guess we'll be doing a final wrap up episode for the. Uh, for the draft. So that's exciting. Uh, we'll, we'll know who won me. It was me. I won. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked at the points, <laughs> but, uh, all right guys. Well, I guess that'll be all for us. We'll be back soon until next time. True believers. Thank you for joining us for the Marvel cinematic universe podcast available everywhere. You get podcasts and now a video version streaming live on twitch.tv slash stranded Panda TV and available at youtube.com slash stranded panda. And if you'd like to learn more about all of our other podcasts, geeky projects, and ways to support the network, visit strandedpanda.com.